This podcast is about the poem Death of a Naturalist by Seamus Heaney. All year the flax dam vested in the heart of the townland. Green and heavy-headed, flax had rotted there, weighted down by huge sods. Daily sweltered in the punishing sun. Bubbles gargled delicately. Blue bottles wove a strong gauze of sound around the smell. There were dragonflies, spotted butterflies, but best of all was the warm, thick slobber of frog spawn that grew like clotted water in the shade of the banks. Here, every spring I would fill jam potfuls of the jellied specks to range on windowsills at home, on shelves at school, and wait and watch until the fattening dots burst into nimble, swimming tadpoles. Miss Walls would tell us how the daddy frog was called a bullfrog and how he croaked and how the mammy frog laid hundreds of little eggs and this was frog spawn. You could tell the weather by frogs too, for they were yellow in the sun and brown in rain. Then one hot day, when fields were rank with cow dung in the grass, the angry frogs invaded the flax dam. I ducked through hedges to a coarse croaking that I had not heard before. The air was thick with a bass chorus. Right down the dam, gross-bellied frogs were cocked and sods. Their loose necks pulsed like sails. Some hopped. The slap and plop were obscene threats. Some sat poised like mud grenades, their blunt heads farting. I sickened, turned and ran. The great slime kings were gathered there for vengeance and I knew that if I dipped my hand, the spawn would clutch it. Now, I'm sure that you're all familiar with the main ideas of the poem and what it represents. It's the one about the frogs, right? Well, yes, it is. And I'm sure that some of you also know it as the longest poem in the anthology, which can make it seem a bit intimidating and daunting, as it may appear that there's just too much to consider in it. However, the point of this podcast is to help you consolidate your knowledge of the poem and to help you enjoy exploring it and finding your own favourite bits to contemplate. The poem is so rich and ripe for exploration, and it links so, so well to the other poems in the anthology, with themes like childhood, nature, time and place running through it, that it is simply vital that you get to grips with it. So let's get stuck in. Let's begin at the beginning and start with the actual title of the poem, Death of a Naturalist. Well, what does that actually mean? No one dies in the poem, so it's safe to say that the death mentioned is metaphorical. A naturalist can be seen to be an expert or student of natural history. Heaney here, then, appears to be referring to the figurative death, of his budding interest in the natural world. It just simply doesn't have the same allure as it did to him when he was younger. Some of the poem's key themes, therefore, are the concept of childhood and loss of innocence that occurs when one grows up. The poem is autobiographical, being based on Heaney's memories of his boyhood, and so the death also links to the idea of time passing and us being unable to recapture past events fully. They exist only in memories and cannot be experienced again in real life. So the poem starts with a description of the flax dam that lives in the heart of the townland. Now that's a description which tells us about the importance of this area to the town's inhabitants and the vibrancy of life that exists in the ecosystem. We hear about the blue bottles, the spotted butterflies and the dragonflies as Heaney vividly brings his landscape to life, detailing its smells and gentle sounds. However, then the speaker is captivated by what he himself finds the most interesting about this place, the warm, thick slobber of frog spawn. You can hear his childish enthusiasm when he talks about it, saying it is best of all. 
This made me think about whether you yourself might have started collecting something ever as a result of a hobby or interest. Well, Heaney himself was fascinated by the frog spawn, filling jam pot fulls desperate to engage with it all the more. He proudly displays his collections on shelves at home and at school, showing that his interest consumes different parts of his life. He patiently watches as the frog spawn develops and starts to transform, witnessing how the fattening dots burst into nimble swimming tadpoles. What I love about that line in particular is the energy that's within it. The frog spawn has grown in its present form and is now desperate to embark on the next stage of its life, so much so that it literally bursts into action. Significantly, through growing, it has also become more refined and agile in its appearance. It is no longer just a dot, but an active tadpole. This also mimics how we, as humans, become more capable as we grow up, as well as simply bigger. Heaney himself is growing up, not just physically, but mentally as well. He has been educated about the evolution of frogs, with Miss Walls giving him and his class the technical terminology they need to extend their knowledge. The daddy frog is now to be known as a bullfrog, and how the frogs are born after the mammy frog laid hundreds of little eggs is made clear. The language used here is very childlike, with the repetition of the word and used to reflect how children build up lots of information at a young age and repeat it with this connective. The word mammy reveals youthfulness as well, with the teacher adapting her language to suit her class. It also firmly conveys Heaney's Irish upbringing. It is with this educational lesson that the first stanza comes to a close. However, with the end of the stanza comes the possibility of trouble ahead, with the last word, rain, signalling that the positive mood hitherto established will not last. As the poem moves on to its second stanza, there is a notable shift in tone. Here, the fields are described as rank, and the frogs are no longer intriguing but repulsive. They are angry and have invaded the landscape. This aggressive language signals that the speaker finds them to be a threat and that the environment that he once loved is now hostile and unwelcoming. This could be seen to be representative of the seriousness and reality of the adult world encroaching onto the speaker's youth and dispelling all positive images. He is growing up and things are losing their shine. This is further symbolised when he hears a coarse croaking that he has not heard before. A new experience which is coarse or rough and unwelcoming. The sounds that are heard here are no longer delicate. Instead, we hear a slap and a plop, which are obscene threats. It seems that the further we go into the scene with the speaker, the more unpleasant it gets, and he signals his disgust with the language that he uses. The frogs are now grotesque creatures, which are poised like mud grenades. Again, this military language denotes a threat to the speaker. He is not wanted there. Perhaps he never was wanted there. And the frogs will now that they are full grown, enforce their presence where before they could not. This proves too much for the speaker and he sickened, turned and ran, turning his back on the frogs, the flaxdam and the period of time they represent in his life. The flaxdam will never again evoke the same feelings of wonder and longing. Instead, it is now somewhere which he has physically and metaphorically turned his back on. He now no longer wishes to collect jam potfuls of the warm, thick slobber, but is instead filled with the fear that if he indulged in his childish hobbies again and dipped his hand in, then the spawn would clutch it. The negative and fearful imagery here demonstrates that his innocence has well and truly been lost. He can never go back to what he was. He will not be able to escape from the knowledge of how he views the great slime kings now, in this new, more mature period of his life. 
Well, that was a brief overview of Deaf and Naturalists. I hope you found this podcast useful and use it to help with your revision and create links between this poem and others in the anthology.